Welcome home. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Graham. And this podcast is the home at class you wish you'd been offered. We're two moms who've been real life best friends for more than two decades. We're trying to create gracious homes that are welcoming, but also functional, all while dealing with real life schedules, budgets, and children. Stick with us and we'll share and show what we know, what we've learned, where we've messed up, and how to fix it. For everything we can't make up, we'll bring in the best experts we can find. You're listening to Welcome Home. On today's episode, we're getting thankful. We're talking to Barbara Ann Kipfer, the author of a book that's been hugely influential in my life. With gratitude being a major topic for healthy living and mental health, we thought we'd get to the heart of how to truly appreciate the small stuff. Plus, a shout out for brake fluid, the myth of synonyms, and why food, wine, and coffee seem to earn a spot on just about every page. All that and more on today's episode of Welcome Home. Welcome home, Graham. Happy Thanksgiving. Gobble, 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 gobble. Um, the show airs on Thanksgiving today. Hello, anyone who's listening. I, you're probably not. I'm assuming you're with your family today. But if you are, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. You know what, though? I could see myself listening it's the on perfect Thanksgiving. Um, because, this episode because I'm is... like cooking. You know, I always listen to podcasts when I cook. But if yeah. you're not, that's fine. We're These shows are evergreen. Evergreen. You can listen anytime. But we nailed it. I'm not going to lie. We nailed it. Graham so, is beyond excited. I'm you know excited, my, but Graham's like a crazy person. You know my Suze Orman obsession, right? No, this everyone is like knows. Everyone second knows. to Suze Orman. And I'm so excited. So today we're interviewing, you You may or may not have heard about it. The book has sold over 1.25 million copies. We're interviewing the author, Barbara Ann Kipfer. She's so much more than that. But she has written a book, and we'll discuss this, that I've been talking about since I was 11 years old. So it came out in 1990. So you can backtrack how old I am. Um, the 25th anniversary came out in 2014, and we get to interview her today. Um, so what is the book? It is the book, 14,000 Things to Be Happy About. And just for those who aren't familiar, picture, it's about a four by six size book. So it's not very big, but it's very thick. It's about very six. thick. It looks so like a dictionary. It looks like a little pocket, a bigger than a pocket dictionary, but about that size, but it's thick. And it's literally just a miscellaneous list of all the things that Barbara, since she was 11 years old, found that brought her joy in life. And I just, I've used it since I was a child. We'll discuss that in our interview, but it is such a happy, wonderful book in a time when I think we're all looking to be a little more grateful, a little more mindful. Um, and, you know, it's it's been a tricky time for a lot of people. And so this is mm -hmm. just something that it definitely sparks joy. How about that? It does. It's just good, a lot stuff. of joy for Graham. And she gives us a shout out at the end. She really liked us, which That's makes me exciting. happy. Hey, also, we this is how this is how interesting this woman is. We didn't even touch on the fact that she's a part-time archaeologist. Like that would be such a big topic to talk about with most people. So you're a part-time archaeologist. No, okay, I did. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the worst was Kirsten as she botches all oh, of her. Oh, I messed up every word in this episode. This I should, if I had any sort of self-respect, I would just be like, let's scrap this one, Graham. Barbara is an ontologist, among other things, which I, I, we've come to learn is someone who helps categorize and put things in their appropriate categories. However, at one point, Kirsten asked her what 
when she studied oncology. No, um, I did not ask oncology. I knew I it thought, was oncology. I thought it you said oncology. It does sound like it is a very obscure medical profession. Like if it, someone, if she came into me wearing a white coat and said, hello, I'm an oncologist, like I would let her. I would let her know. look in my fanny. <laughs> like, oh, the ontologist is here. Okay, like, well, you got to take my foot. You got to take my foot. Like, I, you know, I believe her. It's a very, it's a very, um, you know, confidence building word as someone who's really also a lexicographer and a linguist. It is. It's just, just impressive. And apparently she does not stop going. Um, you talk about Energizer Bunny. The coolest thing, too, is that she just comes up with these things like think. So she has a bunch of books that are out. Can you even imagine? Like another book is A Thousand and One Ways to Be Creative, A Thousand and One Ways to Slow Down, um, 5,203 Things to Do Instead, instead of Looking, of at, looking your phone, at Your Phone, which is amazing. Yeah. I almost wondered, is the 5203 for how many like seconds there are in a month? Like there's got to be something. That is that. a, you know what? You're right. And As I'm looking at that, that is a super random number. It can't just be, it can't just be that. That's silly of us that we're now, we should get an you addendum. You know what? She called us perfect interviewers, but she right. was wrong. It's just because she's lovely. She was um, lovely. Yeah, you're right. She, <laughs> she made a mistake. What are the, what are you doing on this Thanksgiving? Well, I'm with my parents in Long Island um, and I haven't been there in two years because, oh, I probably shouldn't say that because, yeah, people, I don't know where I am. I'm somewhere in the world. Wait, are, you, are, you, are, you, are you worried about a security risk, Graham? <laughs> I shouldn't tell them where I am. They might You're not find, supposed like, to tell people where you are. Rogue fans? Wait, is that really why? No, I don't think so. It's just, you know, I don't know. I feel like Harrison gets on me about like telling people Wait, when are I'm. Are you serious? Harrison thinks I'm, hack? I'm tucked in my house in Birmingham. Okay. All right. By where way, are you? What are you really doing? Graham has not been to Long Island in how many years did you say? Two years. But she has been like 30 minutes away in Connecticut. To visit me. Yeah. I didn't tell my parents I was coming and I did not feel a problem with that. You we live in Connecticut. We did eventually break down and well, no, wait, that's right. That's right. Your dad found out you were there and called me and said, put, or put, called you and said, put Kirsten on the phone. I know you're in Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> he did. But then that he took funny. us out to a lovely uh, meal. It was sort of a midday fish feast. <laughs> midday fish meal. <laughs> a midday fish feast with Big Dave. And then he bought me a Costco birthday cake, which was very sweet. That was nice of him. Isn't it weird? Nice. Wait, so where are you? Are you in Tijuana today? Um. Supposed, I'm supposed to be in Tijuana um, building houses with my children to try to teach them gratitude. Um, we shall see. I'm just watching the news right now, and they're saying, like, good luck getting out of LGA. So we'll see. But oh, really? Wait, wait, weather, wait. Hold on. Weather, oh, yeah, that's right. That probably applies to you, too. Yeah, so horrible storms apparently are going to ruin everyone's travel. So we'll see. Oh, no. Wait, for Thanksgiving? Don't worry, Graham. Just bring your 14,000 things to be happy about book, and you'll be fine. Just I'm happy in. about sitting on the tarmac and losing my <laughs> luggage. And <laughs> happy about, about flying planes, in on a sleepy day. that have USB ports. I mean, I'm not flying on those. I'm flying Southwest. But I imagine that someone... Oh, oh no 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 the worst this is such a segue when we were flying back um when we were flying back from italy do you know they on some planes like every maybe 20 person gets an outlet um not every single person gets an outlet to charge their stuff uh yeah Graham, that's called southwest i never get an outlet yeah and you basically had to go around and like ask people if they minded holding your laptop for a while in their seat back whatever and i remember this woman maybe, maybe building. these are all really positive things i don't know what you're saying yeah. All right. Well, wait, I'm let's sorry, wait, no, no, Grim, for real. Are you saying that most planes have a USB port on every seat? 
No, I don't even know what most planes do these days. I haven't flown that much, but um, but I, I'm wishful thinking. I think we should get there. How about that? I have yeah, well, optimism we'll that we'll get there at some point. Okay, well, we don't know where there is. Nobody find Graham and murder her. Her husband's going to be mad. Don't worry, we have cameras. Um, okay, <laughs> on that note, we have a sponsor. Oh, here's something I'm grateful for. We are back. We are totally sponsored. We are rolling, and we have Scentville. Oh, let's hear it from Scentville. Scentville invites you to decorate your air. If you are anything like Graham and I, which I assume you are, or you probably wouldn't be listening to this show, but we have some really stinky things in our life called boys and sports and, ooh, Graham, last night I made my own ceviche. That sounds and I haven't, I haven't died yet, though, because that's that's tricky business because you're just relying on the lime acid to cook. Anyway, that's not the point of this ad. The point is cooking your own fish smells disgusting. So no, but- we all have different reasons in our life why we would need to maybe make our house not a disgusting place, but instead a lovely place. Scents matter. They really do matter. It's one of our senses. Yeah. So Scentville is one of our sponsors. Very cool. Kirsten and I got to try the peppermint and the orange clove scent, and it was absolutely delightful. Super not overpowering. The thing we love about it, too, is that it's 100% natural scented oil plug-in refill. So that's totally cool. 100% natural. So no strange chemicals, just the good stuff that nature intended. And they have a happiness promise. So basically... You can choose from over 80 unique scents. You can try the 100% natural category or kind of mix and match depending on if you want like pumpkin spice or something cool like that for the holidays. Um, And basically, you just click your refill into a warmer, plug it in, and enjoy that always on fragrance. So very, very simple. Have you been on their website? Because they have actually like really cute gift packs. Have you seen those? They're like packaged very cute. Like that would actually be a very fun um, stocking stuffer. Yeah, uh, starter kits. Like and under, yeah, or like a little hostess gift. That'd be sweet. And they're, and they're under $20. So that's kind of nice. You get a starter gift for under $20. Um, I actually was talking to one of my really good friends who's in um, marketing and design, and she works for a large company. And they were saying that they actually were thinking about like a signature scent for they have this like design show house that they take clients to. And she was saying that they um, are looking to put a signature scent. And I thought that's kind of a cool concept. Like get a signature scent for your own individual house. Okay. As you usual we have a cool offer if anyone is interested and we hope you will be you go to scentfill.com so it's s-c-e-n-t-f-i-l-l.com forward slash welcome home all one word and just put the cr- promo code in wh10 so that's scentfill.com forward slash welcome home use the promo code wh10 oh and not only will you get 10 percent off but you'll get free shipping and it's quick so thank you for being part of our show scentfill I'm beyond thankful, grateful, excited that we have possibly one of my favorite authors of all time who I've been tracking since I was a 10-year-old girl, Barbara Ann Kipfer. Barbara, welcome to Welcome Home. Thank you very much. I started writing that book when I was 11, so... Did you really? (laughs) Tell us. I'm pretty close to 100 now. No, I'm I'm just kidding. You look very young. (laughs) People say, how could you have written those... All those books. Well, it's just that it start when you start at eleven. Wait, you know, is this true? Yeah, it I was just you. it was just a list and a little tiny notebook. Wow, you know those little cool. tiny notebooks, spiral notebooks that flip open. Not not 
regular like a book but like a oh yeah the itty bitty ones that when you're trying to be a fake detective around town you carry yeah. like in your pocket <laughs> yeah yeah i used to i used to love those things you could get them at like the convenience store yeah um, so wait who inspired it like what made you pick up your pen and start this list there is a little tiny children's book and i don't know if i bought it i'm just pulling it off the bookshelf here it was called the happy book right. and it was by someone called patricia martin zenz and it was published in 1965, <laughs> which is when I started it. So this is a 24-page children's book. And I saw this, I had this book, or I saw this book at the library. And I just thought, oh my gosh, I've, I don't like diaries. I, I think, oh, what would I do? Write down what happened in my day, and then would I really want to read that again? I, if I don't want to read it, you know, I wanted something that meant something to me, but I wanted to capture the things that I saw in a day that were happy things, just like this book did. And I said, I'm just going to start a little notebook and write down everything, you know, green peas, blueberry muffins. There's a lot of food. There's a lot of food. <laughs> there's a lot of food. Oh, no. But it's I wonderful. say there's no calories in writing down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just opening. Yeah. Votive candles, um, TV dinners, mobile homes. So that's my, okay. So wait, let's get the backstory on this. Cause I really am. I'm probably your, one of your super fans. Um, so you started writing, you started in a tiny little notebook. How did it blossom into 14,000 things? Well, I've, I've always loved words and lists. And when I was, when I was young, I have big buck front buck teeth, right? I have big feet, big hands. My parents wanted to put braces on me. I wore glasses. Mm -hmm. Talk about looking nerdy. Me I, too, I had, Barbara. I had it. Glass, I was, glass. Grim is legally blind. I am. I'm legally blind, but I fixed my eyes. So that's a, yeah, before, that's a, before her LASIKs, we could have glasses. That, it was I'm so in that funny. club with you, yeah. So there we go. On my 14th, that LASIK is one on my list. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think I'll just go the glasses route when I, I have know. to. But in third grade, I discovered that I was a better speller than anybody around me, like okay. by far. Wow. So I guess I became a very enamored of words and lists. And so when sixth grade came around and I started to feel, oh, I, I'm, again, I'm guessing I felt a little tension about junior high was coming up and I never really fit in with people. I didn't. I don't really have the same interests as other kids and so I just started writing the notebook because it just made me feel better you know I just was writing down things that I observed mm -hmm. in daily life in you know, things I saw in magazines and books heard in songs it was just like anything was fodder for this and that made it, it, the wide openness of it, you know, it wasn't all stuff that made me happy, but it was stuff that I saw other people, you know, made other people happy, like peanut butter's in there and, you know, the smoothness of the peanut butter when you open the jar. And I hate peanut butter. Really? So you, so it's in there? Yeah, but other people love peanut butter. And the very, <laughs> there's so much stuff in there, at least in the very first edition that came out in 1990, there's so much stuff in there that was just 
by the seat of my pants, I saw something and I thought that was great. So I'd go on, <laughs> I had, I went on a big book tour and the radio host would inevitably find this entry for brake fluid. And they'd go, what on earth made you have okay. fluid? And I said, because it, you know, you want it, you want it to be there. You really want it to be there, that brake fluid. So you know, right. there was just there was just a you know, I had things like a rusty slide. Oh like, yeah, that's so, a rusty slide. Yeah, I, I get the brake fluid. I don't that's know. There was stuff. there were things like Eskimo ice cream, and pe and people would go, "What is that?" And I tried to find it. <laughs> I couldn't find what it was. So in this, isn't second that just edition, snow? Huh? Isn't that just snow? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> but back then. There was no internet in 1990, so oh my very gosh. true. Here, I'm just so if I couldn't find it in one of my reference books, so it's too bad. So okay, wait, can we talk about your biography? Because I think we might have jumped the gun by getting into the book without talking about your biography. I consider myself a pretty well-educated person, and I had to Google your jobs, which not only means you're smarter than me, it means like you're an expert in things I didn't even know were things. So Lexi, a lexicographer, and a leader. Right. Uh, lexicographer and a linguist. So can you explain the difference? Because I'm obsessed with language. So this is just fascinating to me. Not well, really. Like, if you don't know those words, Kirsten, sorry. <laughs> well, Barbara, then, I'm on then, your team. I'm like, da, da, da. Well, also ontologist, ont ontologist. Yes. Yeah, right. Well, all, all three of those, those words. Are all well, connected. That, that's of, one yeah. part of my life that's all connected there. Okay. So explain that part of your life. Well, it's words and it's, it's words right. in various formats. So when you're talking about lexicographer, you're talking about that I write dictionaries and thesauruses. When you're talking about me as a linguist, you're talking about me doing other things with words um, other than dictionaries and thesauruses. So, you know, there's that that's kind of the overarching term for okay. what it is I do. Okay. Um, ontologist is just that I am good at categorizing and, and laying out hierarchies of things. So I've written a book of hierarchies. It was called The Order of Things. It's just self-published now. It's out of, out of regular print. Okay, but, but that I, book actually sounded fascinating to me, to be honest. Oh, it was. <laughs> I love that book. And it went through two different publishers. And then as happens with reference books now, because of the internet, people think the internet is the expert mm. and reference books aren't needed. I, I could give you a whole other hour on that, but no, <laughs> I, and see, I, need, I don't think I'm, there's any point to that in this podcast. See, so, when I'm having a blue day, though, I go and I pick your book off the shelf. I would never think to go to my computer and um, look for things that spark joy. It wouldn't even seem... Well, only if you went to my website where... Yes, you have a cute website. I do. Well, it is you. very fun. My, my son de uh, designed that for me. Um, my website now has 175,000 things to be happy about. Oh my God. Wow. Who's are like, now? Are people submitting these from all over the world nope, or how are they growing? Me. Nope, just me. So you're just, you're still looking for things. Okay. So it's Thanksgiving day. The share, the show airs on Thanksgiving day today. Well, are you just, are you just overjoyed with gratitude every day? <laughs> Do you look I, at the world with literal rose colored glasses? I don't think anybody would look at me and say, oh, that's the happiest person I've ever seen. But 
But I am always thinking like that. I am always thinking about what, what, what did I see today or hear today that, you know, <laughs> happy is kind of a catch-all term that, that, like I said, came from this little children's book. And then I adopted it as the subtitle of my book because the publisher actually came up with the title of this book. I wanted to just call it the happy book. So the thing is, it's not really all about happiness. It's about, like you said, gratitude, that you feel grateful. It's about just paying attention. It's more about paying attention to every little thing that, you know, we, we walk through our days very autopilot. Lots of things we do autopilot. And I think that's a little more descriptive of what I am is that I'm not on autopilot. I'm paying attention. And I guess that's happy. <laughs> that brings me great joy. It does. Did, you know, the notebook for me was kind of, you know, I know that happiness is all in your head. It's all in your head. It's really, that's all, the only place it can be. So I was just kind of letting things that were going into my head spill out onto a little notebook, you know, and then another notebook and another notebook. And that's why my website still has so much, you know, like it, it's still growing. I probably at least do three or four a day. Just, I see something somebody wrote and I think that is so, that's so beautiful or that's such a cool thing. And I just add it. Mm -hmm. But it's somebody just so it's like spelling banana. It never ends. <laughs> but here's the story that you're telling, right? Because it's so funny. I mean, I, in a way, cannot resonate anymore. You started this book during a very awkward, tender time in your development, um, which is the preteen age, which is exactly where my son is now, which was exactly the age I was when I first discovered your book. And mm -hmm. it's funny that you took the time to write the book, but I read your book and used it the same with the same purposes in the same time of my life that I think you intended to write it. Um, and this is probably more than you want. But, you know, at that age, you don't, it's not like I was necessarily turning to a religion or I had anywhere to go. I just thought to myself, okay, well, I can take these feelings of isolation or not fitting in or whatever it is. And I can look for things that are positive and beautiful. And I'm a lister. I think probably a lot of our listeners are list making mm -hmm. people as well. I keep copious lists. Not like you. I mean, I'm, nobody's claiming you're the <laughs> queen of lists. But but I would take your book and I would, I had a lot of ways I would go through it. Like I would, you know, the book is, it's for those who we haven't described it to, it's a kind of a very small compendium, um, but it's about 610, 611 pages. And it's not a descript, it's not a descriptor. So if she's writing her list, there's no, what would you call it? What's the right word for it? Subtext or description upon these right. things. It, there's no continuity. It jumps all over the place. So that the editor, the very first editor said to me, this is the hardest book I've ever had to edit because it's a new thought on every line. Well, that's actually no I'm reading categories. Right this, like, here's one: the smell of nair hair removal. Like, that's that is a disgusting smell, but also it's a visceral smell that brings me back to summer camp when we were right. all putting nair on our legs, and so it makes me happy because I remember thinking of the girls in my bunk and us all trying to, you know. So, like you're saying with brake fluid, you're right. Yep. Like, you don't. It's kind of weird, like super weird. But, you but know. I think what what is really cool about the book and actually it works on my website too because 
on my website, it just shows 14 entries and then it can refresh and it's just 14 different entries, very random. Just the computer does it. The thing is you can open to a page and something's going to jump out at you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I still love about it and why I did it for so many years is because unlike a diary where I'd open it and go, oh, that day or <laughs> nothing happened that day, I can open the note, the notebook back then or the book now or the website and see something that suddenly speaks to me. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know, I love that feeling. I just, well, I also love how each page, when you talk about the like kind of distorted nature of it, I love also how they're very vague, like spaciousness or gray winter mornings. And then they're very specific right next to it, like classically cut trousers with pockets on the seam, straight leg, one and a half inch cuffs. Like that is <laughs> wildly specific. <laughs> Then by Layla, the song. (laughs) That's actually interesting. Did your editor ever try to say like, well, let's put all the food together. Let's put all the emotions together. No, they never wanted me to do any kind of, because, you know, I can do categorization. That's that's my (laughs) other thing. No, no, don't ever do that because I wanted to do like a book, uh, things to be happy about nature, things to be happy about food. And I go, "Uh uh-uh. Don't, please don't. Right. Yeah, I think the beauty is like in the out of, your, out of your comfort zone as someone who's an ontologist and loves hierarchies <laughs> and structure and order to go like this. And by the way, some of these also, you see your humor. You would think in a list, it would be like, okay, a list, that's fine. But you see your humor in things like, one of the things we can be happy about is pretending to take down a, quote, important phone message. <laughs> <laughs> This picture, you'd be like, mm-hmm, okay, okay, yep, I'll let him know. That is, yep, I, uh, that's what I try to capture is stuff that just is very, it's just everyday life. It's just the stuff that happens, and then you just, paying attention to it, like, makes you laugh. <laughs> makes you laugh or makes you smile. For the most part, I'm sure there's stuff in there that will remind people of something not so good, but well, you can know, just move on. <laughs> the, the thing that that very first editor said to me, which was a nice compliment, is that it's kind of poetic, the way the book looks. It's, it's like a, a really long poem. Well, you know what? I want to go back to something you just said, because I think there's actually like a huge piece of wisdom in that, which you might read something and it might remind you of something that was negative, right? And I do feel like we have as a culture become so much more aware of just everyone else's experiences. And it is hard to celebrate certain things, you know? Right. And um, and everything is like, oh, well, that is, that's great, but it's problematic. It's okay, but you know? And I do feel like on one hand, it's really great that we have a heightened awareness of sort of the nuances of things that may have slid under the rug before. But I also feel like there is a point of attitude and I could choose to be upset about this or I could choose to like let this ruin my day. But like I, at the end of the day, I still get to be in charge with how I take things in and whether brake fluid is like a nuisance or whether it's a joy, you know, mm-hmm. and I understand some things are, are you know, large, more largely offensive and more hard to overlook. That said, you know, I do like this idea of... Um, just some level of choosing joy 
in both the everyday, but also just in things that are just more tricky, even, you know, still right. trying to find the bright side and trying to have a positive outlook and letting that inspire thankfulness. And recognizing that if you do see something in there that reminds you of something not so good, these things, it'll pass just like good things pass back yeah. and forth, back and forth. So it's, it's the impermanence of both the good and the bad. And so don't push away the bad and don't grab for the good because that's, you don't have control. You know, you have control over what your mind does. So you let everything go in your mind and, you know, don't grab, <laughs> don't grab and push away. And it'll, it'll make you a happier, calmer person. Well, along those notes, you also wrote a book called A Thousand and One Ways to Slow Down and A Thousand and One Ways to Be Creative. Talk about hard, hard books to write for me is when somebody tries <laughs> I'm so surprised. To, to limit the number. Because I can go on and on. Oh, I'm sorry. So you were saying it wasn't hard because it was about slowing down. It was hard because well, you no, could only was, do A Thousand and One. Right. It was very hard. The, Wait, three books, the three books I did for National Geographic were all thousand and one, and they were very hard because of that limit. You really found it that easy to come up with a thousand ways to slow down? Yeah. The, <laughs> um, the I don't hard... have to... and one, a thousand and one, Graham. Don't forget yes, about the last one. The amazing thing about writing happy entries for me is a lot, it seems there might be a lot of things deleted from my brain, but the happy entries are in there so that when I think, oh, is so-and-so in there or is, you know, something about this kind of music in there, I'll remember. Oh, like I'm you're holding all those 14,000 things <laughs> in your brain? But can I remember, you know, my second grade teacher? Oh my God. Wait, you're kidding me. I would have thought there was some sort of Excel sheet that was checking for redundancies. So you no. really just, you're, that's just in your mind. Yes. Okay. I have to, I have have over the years had to do quite a bit of work, you know, just examining my database and seeing if I was repeating myself. Like there is a whole lot of coffee entries, you know, stuff like that, but not repeats. Wow. Okay. Like yeah, there's a, you, you've pretty much nailed every single type of wine. I do, Ni <laughs> Niagara wine, I've seen Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, yeah, every wine gets its own entry in here. <laughs> I mean, they are very exciting. They're, and they're very different. They're very different. They're each, you can, they each make you happy in a different way. Um, right. You know, by the way, as I am looking at your list of books you've written, it is a little bit stressful to be asking questions to someone who's written a book called 4,000 Questions to Ask Anyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little intimidating there, Barbara. Oh. Well, that was like, okay, so, you know, we send for our listeners, we send um, a Google Doc of our outline. Um, you know, and Barbara, we hadn't quote unquote met you at that point, And I was so excited about our interview. And I sent you the outline of our show ahead of time. And, you know, in two seconds, I saw that you were in our Google Doc, like editing it, like lightning fast speed, you know, cleaning it up. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, Graham, you bonehead. Like, this is just kind of our little, you know, working document. I've sent it to this fabulous, you know, writer and whatever. And there she is just like <laughs> probably looking at this thinking, what a silly outline. No, um, it was great. It was great, so. actually. And your questions, I thought, well, you know, what? what you said you were going to ask about I thought that they're right They're They're going to ask me, are you a really happy person? You get that a lot. <laughs> yes, I get that a lot. I get this question. What's my favorite entry? Oh, oh okay. okay. I can't answer that. 
Every it changes. It would change every day. I can tell you that the first, very first entry was blueberry muffins. Okay. So wow. The okay. thing is, when the book was published, right. that was before there was any kind of ability in Excel or Word or anything else to find the duplicates, mm -hmm. to do anything like that. So the, the editor and I had to go through and find if there was any. And I think there was only out of 20,000 that I submitted for in the manuscript, there were only like 200 that were duplicates. Okay, so, but here's the irony for anyone listening who doesn't have the book, which you need to go out and get. Um, the first um, entry in the book is not blueberry muffins indeed. It's actually almost, you know, they say what the most important, the most, the first sentence of the novel is the most important. It's pretty, it's pretty apropos. The first entry is, do you know, Barbara? A stream of consciousness list. Yep. <laughs> and that was, that was the editor. She found that entry and said it has to be the first entry. It's very so well perfect. done. A stream well, of consciousness. When I, when I submitted the manuscript, it would have been kind of cool if they hadn't had to reorder it in any way because it was in the order in which I wrote the entries. Hmm. So, well, hey, I'll be buying that on eBay. So um, I don't yeah. want just you just you just hold that tight at your home and you've got a bitter. <laughs> <laughs> Although I get what you're saying. It could be cool to watch for at least for everyone, maybe for your own personal list, it'd be very cool to watch your your gratitude um, grow and change. And maybe like each one of those things, when you read the entry, you could go back and um, be reminded of that. But I just want you to know, since you did write it when you were 11, my I had, to, I had to go hunt for this book around my house before this interview and I found it in my 11 year old's room because he oh. reads this book all the time <laughs> it is one of his favorites and so I think that was it's needed that meant a lot to hear that that's very cool and then you know the last entry in your book probably not uh, it's okay I'm not putting you on the spot I'll uh, tell you it's okay. dozens of places to curl up with a book Right. And that was that was the editor's idea, too. It was pretty cool the way she picked those two. Those you know, the joy of an editor. I guess that's what it is. Actually, I'm really excited about you saving your notebooks. Are you like giving what are you doing with all those? You giving I, them away? I like, don't have that many. I have I have about four of the little spiral, four or five of the little spiral ones. And then I what I would do over the years until computers became available I would rewrite the notebooks into another notebook. So I kind of cull them as I went along. So I had back in the, <laughs> I'm really going to date myself here. Back in the early seventies, there were things called the nothing books and okay. they were just blank. They looked like almost like my book. They were just blank inside. So I would get those and I would rewrite all my notebooks into a nothing book. And then I'd get a bigger nothing book and a bigger nothing book. And then computers came along. When I saw, I guess it was around, I'd say 1980, I saw when typing it in how much I had. I had no idea. Oh, and wow. so when I, I saw that, that, I go, now I got to get it published before I die. Wow. <laughs> so do you still carry around a notebook? I still... I still have a notebook by the bedside. Kirsten, her brain is a supercomputer. She's just oh, told us that. She doesn't need a notebook. She has a supercomputer so. brain. No, I still have a notebook right next to the bed. I don't write as much that way as I do on the computer. 
the problem is, you know what happens to me? I send myself text messages when I have something I want to remember. And <laughs> then I never remember what the heck I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, that was... <laughs> you know what else? Sorry. Notes, no idea I'm... what I meant by that. I like. I think I understand my own codes, and I clearly have no clue what... I'm supposed to go return to NM. I don't know what <laughs> NM is, but I know it was like number four on my to-do list. You know what would be cool, Barbara, is if you like franchise, not franchise, but inter- like, for example, I was just thinking, whoa, wow, she sold, a, oh, by the way, a, over a million, 1.25 million copies of this book. So clearly a massive seller. But I'm thinking like, what would, we have listeners in other countries, right, um, mm-hmm. on our show, you know. I don't know if the Australians would fully understand the joy of a Dunkin' Donuts, which is one of, you know, Dunkin' Donuts. It is in a lot of other languages, but you're right. It is not like a country specific. Right. I wonder what you would get if you asked, you know, people in China to come up with 14,000 things that made people in China happy. Right. It'll be an yes. interesting project. I don't know. I'll go in on that with you if you want. Um, <laughs> we want to thank you so much for your time yes. today. So Yes. Before we let you, we, you go, do you have time for a quick lightning round? It's lightning, so it'll be fast. Sure. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So as a lexicographer, ontologist. Sorry, Barbara, you don't know me. My my signature move is mispronouncing everything. Okay. And the irony is that she was my husband's better at that than you. <laughs> I I will take him on to a duo. You should you should see him pronounce things like Nathaniel Hawthorne. It's how it's do you, how does he pronounce it? It's so it he just can't. He oh. absolutely can't do it. It's my hilarious. husband cannot pronounce the the name Sloan. It is always two syllables. It is always slow N. (laughs) (laughs) No, sweet, just Sloan, just one. So anyhow, okay. So as a a word specialist, we'll just Mm -hmm. stop there. What is your all-time favorite word? Serendipity. Good Great word. I'm actually going there this week. I'm on my way to New York for Thanksgiving. (laughs) Oh, sorry. We're recording ahead of time. You've I already gone be. to serendipity and it was lovely. It was amazing. Great word. Okay. That is a great word. Okay. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Let her share the definition. Not everyone knows oh. the definition of serendipity. Well, it just means things that just kind of present happen. themselves to you. Just kind of happen. Something serendipitous, right? Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry to randomly. put you on the spot with the definition, but you did. Oh, write yeah. A dictionary, my, son so... that, my son texts me all the time. What does this mean? What does that mean? I'm going, wait, don't you have a computer? <laughs> you must be, boy. You must be like, one hell of a Scrabble player, Barbara. But he also expects me to have all that in my head. And honestly, I have to look up a lot of things just like most people. Well, because it's it's all filled with your list of things to be happy. Stars, they're just like us. Um, okay. Okay, Kirsten, this is okay. Here's one thing. What's what do you think the most pretentious word is? Uh, I've always how about if I tell you the word I dislike the most perfect okay. bored Ooh. I well, not I, like that word i could see that bored. everything we've talked to you about lines up with you not liking that word yeah, yeah. that's on brand for you that's good okay <laughs> since you did um work on the 2019 international thesaurus i would right. like to know what is your favorite synonym for happy Huh. See, I don't really think I, I don't. <laughs> I'm going to be a lexicographer here. I don't really believe in synonyms, which is pretty odd since I've written three or four thesauruses now. 
Including- oh, but that's so good. You just yeah, got to use that controversial. That book. I, there aren't really true synonyms. That's Words so just true. have their own specific meaning in the context that you use it in. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I would say that there is a synonym for happy that I would be happy with. <laughs> Well, we are, we are getting real I dodged it. Now, see, I've never been asked that question before, so I've done my job. Oh, and that's, uh, thus we have done our job. This is a great day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. okay. In go, the spirit of happiness that leads to gratitude and gratitude leading to today, Thanksgiving, what is the most delicious thing on your Thanksgiving table? Hmm. Um, my husband. <laughs> oh, how many? Look at this. This is now getting dirty. Um, we, we've hit it all. How many years have you been married? Uh, 30 next year. Congratulations. Congratulations. You need to take a big trip. <laughs> no, no trip. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm a pretty content person. I, I guess I again, this is full of surprises. I, I, grew, I grew up in a family that didn't travel. We, my parents were divorced and we didn't have options for traveling. Um, pretty much the first travel I ever did was right after I started the first notebook. And that travel was to New York City. And, you know, I met some of my, I was going to be a sports writer. I did become a sports writer. I was that for a while. And when I, when I met my idols and all that, the, the notebook just exploded with stuff from, you know, that trip. But I don't, I, I really think that I, the happy book is about, you don't have to go somewhere or buy something, you know, it's, it can be right in your mind. Mm. It's, you know, you don't have to have everything or experience everything. So I guess I live by that model. Kirsten, I'm just going to give myself a high five for finding the most outstanding Thanksgiving podcast guest on the planet. <laughs> so, I, I think agree. if anyone listening, Welcome Home has nailed it. Share this with your friends. Um, nailed it. Sorry. I, I think that that answer is exactly where we should leave it. So I just wanted to thank you so much, Barbara, for being here. Um, if you guys do not own a copy of this book, it is it is something you should just have on your shelf. It's kind of like required um, shelf space for sure. So thank uh, you. I wish all interviewers were like you too. <laughs> oh, really? You. How so? I'll take, wait, just let's just dive into that a little more. You're just, I, you're just perfect. Uh, it's the way you ask the questions and the way you listen and. Graham, she said know. perfect and she knows what all the words mean. You don't <laughs> try to, you're not trying to lead me to say something in particular. I mean, it's because we have no direction. We have no agenda. Think. <laughs> I'd be glad to talk to you guys anytime. Oh, thank well, you. Thank you. Unfortunately, you know I live within a drive day's drive view, so be ready. I'll see you at three. <laughs> hey, Barbara, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. And to everyone else listening, welcome home. And that's all we have from Kirsten and Graham. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Welcome Home. If you're interested in hearing more from the iconic best friend duo, please subscribe, tell your friends about us, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook for giveaways and other exciting updates. Until next time, welcome home.